Good morning, good afternoon, and good night to everyone watching or listening live or on demand. Welcome in. This is the Makeshift Manager Podcast. I'm Austin. That's a chair. That's Devin. <laughs> nice, nice to be back, guys. Nice to be back, everybody. Welcome I tried. Welcome in. Yeah, um, it's it's the segue of all segues. Uh, the three magic words and uh, well, three magic phrases, and then you point towards me. I point point towards you. Usual banter. Um, unusual sports week for sure. Like I cannot lie. No football has made my life quieter, like far quieter. Well, it, it, it was a little weird cause it was like, Oh, the, you know, a little controversy in the super bowl. Of course, you know, there always will be for the losing side. Um, yeah. um, but for most of the week, it was kind of just like, hey, the Rams did what the Rams were supposed to do. They, you know, built for this moment. They got got themselves there. Um, not, not really, you know, it's the first Sunday without football since August. So a lot of people are now like doing their startups and rankings and all this and all that. And it's like, damn, dude, I'm just hoping MLB is going to come to an agreement. <laughs> we're talking to you, Robert. We're talking directly to you. Figure it out out for the love of but, everything holy but do you know something we all can agree on Ooh, that well that was not good <laughs> that was my little lens cover. that right there is not something we all can agree on no not at all but back to what you're saying something we all can agree on you should get 20 percent off of manscaped with the code tm sm as saying. always our friends um support for the makeshift managers is brought to you by manscaped um we're going to put it bluntly. Uh, they're the top of the line. They're the world champions of men's grooming and men's grooming essentials. They offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their uh, fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You have heard, and then you heard that right, the 4.0. You can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this. And then with this exclusive offer that Austin just mentioned, you can get 20% off and free shipping worldwide whenever you use our code TMSM at manscaped.com. And personally, if the trimmer isn't all that jazz to you, which to me, I've enjoyed every second of using it, they've got everything your men's grooming experience will ever need. I'm just going to list off products. Austin, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Weirdest one that I've seen on the website, but I'm dying to try, lip balm. Don't know why, but I'm sure it's great. They've got body wash. They've got ball deodorant, ball toner, nose and ear hair trimmers. You like boxer briefs? They got them. You name it, they have it. And if you help us out, we'll help you out. By using code TMSM, you can get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. And if you're kind of on the fence of which product you're thinking about trying out, bundle it up and you can save a lot more. Whether it be the performance package or... A multitude of their other packages. Manscaped has the right products for you and your men's grooming needs. Just like that. It's just that easy. Manscaped.com. Code TMSM. Buy whatever you want. Shave your nuts. Your balls will thank you. All right. Let's get into it. Um, like we said, we talked. We did the Super Bowl recap last week. There's not much left about it. Um until things really happen, until quarterbacks go somewhere. You got Garoppolo, Wilson, Rodgers, um, Garoppolo, Garoppolo. Um, Garoppolo. <laughs> Garoppolo. Some um, dude named Jim. Jameis Winston. Jimbo. Jimbo. 
eat the W. Um, not a whole lot of happened post Super Bowl, um, which is not so much of a surprise. Um, at some point when the draft comes around, we'll get back into it a little bit. But we're going to kind of send off the NFL for a little while until something happens. The NFL had a great year. We're officially back into the dark ages. Um, the cave is closed, and now we're just waiting until the doors open again on a brand new year. The only saving grace we have currently is free agency. Free agency does start for the NFL in the next like 25 days, give or take a couple days, probably less. And uh, my biggest thing right now is just I'm hoping MLB free agency can open before the NFL's free agency does at this point. <laughs> my money's on the NFL opening before the MLB, but we will definitely have to wait and see on how that actually pans out. Hey, speaking, man, you give me the over-under, I might take it. Yeah, but speaking of things panning out, dear God, did the NBA tra- trade deadline not disappoint Austin. Oh, man. Where where do we even start? Should we start with the biggest, the weirdest? Uh, I don't know. Um, we will I, start I'll, start, with... I'll start with one because it's one yeah. that like I understood. Actually, I didn't understand it. That's why I texted you about it, but I was so confused. Yeah. The Kings getting rid of Tyrese Halliburton, sending him off to Indiana. Um, the full trade was a decent amount. It was uh, picks, so, I think. So the Kings shipped off Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson in exchange. And there was probably some picks mixed in for a package including DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and I believe Justin Holiday. This deal, optically from the rip, I was very concerned. I didn't fully understand what Sacramento was doing. But to be fair, I don't think Sacramento over the last decade knows what it's doing either. <laughs> That's exactly what like I said. I was like, wait a minute. like, Wasn't this supposed to be the guy who is kind of the centerpiece of Sacramento? And we were both like, this is the shit trade. I'm like, but wait, it's kind of by a shitty franchise. But the thing is, now that it's marinated, and I've talked to Kings fans about the trade itself, This is weird coming from a team like the Kings because the Kings made a move where they are positioning to be a win-now team. And the context of winning now for the Kings is trying to make the play-in tournament as opposed to trying to push for a championship. So all in all, it looks terrible because of the perceived value that uh, Halliburton has in the league right now as a guy that could possibly be an all-NBA, multiple-time all-star type player. As it stands, DeMontis DeMontis Sabonis is arguably the best player the Kings have had rostered since DeMarcus Cousins, if I'm putting it bluntly. Um, The problem they had, they drafted De'Aaron Fox in 2017, the same years that uh, Lonzo Ball draft, all those other guys, Jason Tatum, Markel Foltz, all those big names. Well, not so much Markel, but Jason, Lonzo Ball, (laughs) Bam Adebayo. I think Devin Booker Booker was not in that. That was actually 2015. I digress. De'Aaron Fox was drafted to be the Kings' centerpiece. And he's lived up to it to a certain degree. He's never made an all-star team or an all-NBA type team, but he was all-rookie first team his rookie year. He's just overshadowed by the amount of depth at guard in the West and the amount of star power at that position. Um, Currently speaking, they had a problem at point guard. Halliburton's a one that can play to, but he's going to be his best at the one. De'Aaron Fox is making a lot of money at his position because he's officially been extended past his rookie deal. So... Compound that with De'Aaron Fox not producing to his normal level to start the year. The Kings were in a rock and a hard place. 
They had too much at point guard with uh, De'Aaron, Tyrese, and Davion Mitchell because they drafted Davion this uh, draft, which surprised me. I didn't understand why they took him. Best available, I get it. Great defender. Just roster fit didn't make sense. And so the Kings said, we got to get the money from Heald's contract off the books. Never liked that contract. Personally, he doesn't provide enough defensively or facilitating-wise, in my opinion. So they get Buddy off the books. They move Thompson, who wasn't going to re-sign there. Probably a buyout candidate, regardless. And they have to get rid of Tyrese Halliburton. But what they do have in a guy like Sabonis is two years of control. And he's a guy that has outwardly wanted to come to California for years. Obviously, Sacramento is not any player's first choice whenever it comes to playing in California, besides Tyrese Halliburton, which is really it's the state capital, dude. Come on. Tyrese really enjoyed being out in Sacramento. He penned a letter to Sacramento post-trade, but it clears up a bit of that log jam at the point guard spot because as good as the Kings could have been, they were always going to be limited with De'Aaron and Tyrese and Mitchell having to share those minutes. So I think De'Aaron plays better with Tyrese gone. Do I think De'Aaron will be better in the long run? That's going to be a time will tell situation, but I'm not going to gather all of my eggs into the uh, De'Aaron's better than Tyrese basket. The Kings played it perfectly. Um, the deal basically came down to the Kings would have moved De'Aaron if the if the uh, Pacers wanted De'Aaron, but with how De'Aaron had been playing, and then they ended up giving Tyrese a bunch of minutes in that last stretch in Sacramento, and Tyrese was balling out. So the, the, the Pacers weren't going to move him for anything less than Tyrese Halliburton and a package involving him. So the yeah. Kings did what they had to do. Sabonis will be good. There's like a really fun wrinkle in this trade that I've made fun of my dad for a couple of times this week. The last time the Kings were a competitive and playoff bound basketball team, they had a European big man in their front court. And yes, Vlade Divac and DeMontis Sabonis are not close in terms of how they played. <laughs> but if we're following trends, this might be the start of something new in Sacramento. I'll believe it whenever I see it, but... It sucks they had to move Halliburton, but De'Aaron's still there. Sabonis is now the first bona fide all-star you can have out in Sacramento since DeMarcus Cousins. No. They've got they've got a good squad. They could push for this play in. I don't know if they'd go deep in the playoffs, but if they make the playoffs, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. They're sitting at 22 and 38 right now. So kind of out of it for this season for sure. Um, especially with how stacked the West is. Oh my god, the Lakers are 27 and 31. Um it, but like you said, it'll have to be a seed to believe type thing with the Kings because it's just been that way for the past decade now. It's just they've it, it kind of always just been sitting still at mediocre or bad. They haven't blown us away really with anything with draft picks or trades or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it just I think the biggest thing is that uh, it, it looked like so weird on the outset because you know Tyrese loves Sacramento so much and it's like. Wait, you do? Hold up. <laughs> Speaking of somebody who probably didn't love Sacramento, uh, he didn't love Houston, and now he doesn't love Brooklyn. Uh, James Harden. <laughs> I, oh man, I could talk about this trade for the next decade. Um, I don't know how you feel about this trade, Austin. I know you're not the biggest basketball fan. I love this deal for all parties involved. I like it more for Philadelphia, personally. Just because the oh, thing it, it's about great it, for Philadelphia because now the how, how do I say the elephant in the room that is Ben Simmons um, 
it, it's just been sitting there, right? It, it's like, is Ben Simmons going to get traded? When is Ben Simmons get traded? We knew that Ben Simmons uh, was not going to play a single minute for the Philadelphia 76ers. It wasn't going to happen, regardless of what happened. And the second he got traded, he was going to be back on the court. It, yeah. it was pretty obvious that that was going to happen. So in terms of seeing Ben Simmons back on the court, um, that's kind of cool, I guess. I, you know, Philadelphia is going to absolutely rip him when he shows up. Um, that's just kind of the way it's going to be for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, but to Joel Embiid's having an MVP type year, the dude's absolutely annihilating the competition right now. Um, to add, and to add James Harden, say what you want about James Harden, whether he is ring chasing or whether he, you know, Rockets missed 27 threes in a row. Like you, you can do, you can do all this. He travels this and that. He's still a great basketball player. And, to put him in the spot next to Joel Embiid and the type of year that Joel Embiid is having, the 76ers have now put him in the have put themselves in the best spot to win a championship. I don't think they could have done any better with what was on the market. Um, let alone, we didn't even really know that James Harden is on the market at first, especially going into the season. It was all it was going to be all Nets all the time, you know, Durant, Harden, uh, Kyrie. You know, now you have like half of Kyrie. Um, but the 76ers kind of put themselves in the driver's seat now of the East. Daryl Morey, uh, for all of his faults and all of his mess ups throughout his career, which there aren't a whole lot. He's made some very interesting rosters over the years. Um, my thing with this trade is we went from about two, three months ago with the James Harden thing, or just the Ben Simmons thing. We were talking about uh, Ben Simmons getting flipped for players like CJ McCollum, Harrison Barnes, you, you, you name it. James Harden was never really on the table for Ben Simmons straight up since last offseason, since last season, whenever James Harden was trying to figure out where he was going to go post Houston. And Houston kind of used Philadelphia as a leverage to absolutely fleece Brooklyn because I think Brooklyn dealing all they dealt for James Harden last year, they'd be better off with the pieces they had pre-Harden trade. Yeah. Jared Allen's an all-star. Karis Levert's playing good minutes for the Cavs. They had some really good pieces that got flipped in that deal. But for me, the Sixers made off like bandits for me. Uh, Harden missed the deadline to uh, opt into his contract for next year. But every report I heard before he missed the deadline for the paperwork to go through was that he was going to opt in. And the only reason he hasn't opted in is because he was late on that paperwork. The Philadelphia 76ers got James Harden for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and the first round pick next year that'll probably be between 24 and 30 and a 2027 first round pick that isn't going to matter. By the, by the time that that 2027 pick is conveyed, Harden's close to retirement, Kyrie's close to retirement, Durant might be retired. So all things considered, the only player that'll still be standing is Ben Simmons. Um. My big thing about this trade is just, if you look at it, the Sixers got the best player involved. And congrats to Daryl Morey, because for me, Daryl Morey did something extremely smart in this trade by acknowledging that his best player is having the best year of his career while also staying as healthy as he ever has been. Hey, man, trust the process. <laughs> trust trust Joel, the process. For as good as Joel Embiid has been this year, he has never been healthier. And for a player like Embiid, who can never seem to stay healthy for a full year, if you take his one full healthy year to this point in his career and you don't optimize it and maximize what you can get out of it, 
if I'm Embiid, I don't know what I'm saying coming into next year. Like, I gave you guys everything I could have this year, and you guys didn't do a single thing to help me out. Because if they would have gone into the playoffs with Andre Drummond and Seth Curry, as opposed to a James Harden, they're not playing for a championship. This move, while they lose depth and a little bit of shooting, it gives them one of the most dynamic players in NBA history. And I know James Harden has looked like he's lost a step. He's gained some weight. He's not as quick as he was in Houston. But at the heart of it, he has the same brain. He has the same shot, same dribble package. James Harden gets to the line, makes shots, and he's one of the better distributors we've seen over the last half decade. He was a point guard in Houston for like six straight years, leading league-leading offenses. So while he had to adapt his game in Brooklyn to look far different than it was in Houston, I see no issue with pairing Joel Embiid and James Harden. And yes, there's only one ball on a court, but we said the same shit whenever James Harden got packaged over to Brooklyn. And they worked it out for the most part. Granted, they only had 16 games with all three guys in the court, but Harden and Durant were able to exist just fine last year. Albeit Harden had his hamstring and Harden had the hamstring pre-trade, but whenever he's back healthy, Harden and Embiid is at least a top five duo in the league, bar none. Yeah, and, and you said it. They they weren't going to compete for a championship. Right now they're sitting in third place. They're two and a half games behind the Heat and the Bulls. Um, they were a playoff team without James Harden, but they probably couldn't make a run like they can now. They were never yeah. going to be in a great spot. And, of course, you'll always have the, the Doc Rivers hanging over your head that he can't go all the way. Um, but you're right. Joel Embiid has been extremely healthy, been playing out of his mind. And you had to put another superstar next to him since your other superstar wasn't going to give you minutes. Literally zero. Mm-hmm. And I think an even bigger deal to this is the fact that they didn't have to give up Tyrese Maxey. That was huge. That yeah. was huge. Um, I know the Nets were aggressive in, in, in their efforts to get Ben Simmons for a James Harden. And the fact they didn't give up Matisse Thybul or Tyrese Maxey is insane. They're starting five on paper right now as top 10 in the league, if, regardless of how you feel about the pieces involved. Tobias Harris is not a number two in any NBA championship level offense, but if Tobias Harris is my three off ball shooting jumpers and driving off of kickouts, I do not hate it. He gets paid a lot of money, but he's going to be just fine. Um, biggest thing for me is... You, you got to look at the trade as objectively as possible. The Sixers did not move Ben Simmons as a basketball playing asset. Ben Simmons was a complete loss for the year. He was not going to suit up for the Sixers at all. Yeah. He said, I'm going to eat the money off of my contract. I can live without it because he can. The money that these players make coming into the league is insane mm-hmm. compared to what, what it used to be. Yep. So you give me a top 15 guy on the planet right now for – a fringe starting shooting guard on what the Sixers were without a Ben Simmons and a backup big man. Cause I get Andre Drummond can put up stats, but he hasn't been a productive player to winning since I don't know when Connecticut, like he played in Detroit and put up empty stats for years, was a rising (laughs) stars player, never made an all-star team, went to LA. We sucked whenever he was there because you, Andre Drummond is not a winning player. Yeah. He will put up stats with Brooklyn and he provides them depth, but he's not going to start over a Nick Claxton. And if he does, it's not going to be for the benefit of their team. So Seth Curry's cool for the Nets because Kyrie Irving can't play every other day because of whatever's going on with the New York City mandates. But yeah. this deal makes Philadelphia immediately better. 
and yeah. it makes them it, it it and if Harden stays, it only extends the window that they currently have. Does it make the Nets worse? I Much think worse, so. right. I th- they're only three the games is- above five hundred. They're not they're not playing five hundred at home, which makes sense. You don't have Kyrie Irving. I don't even think Durant has been healthy. I don't know if Harden's been healthy all year. Um, so the big the Nets thing with are, the Nets, the Nets, the Nets will probably be in the play in, but that's about yeah. it. If if Kevin Durant was back from his injury by the time that James Harden got traded, yeah, they're going to figure it out. This Nets team at home is now featuring – I'll even look up their depth chart. Let's just go here to the NBA tab. <laughs> Nets. Like, oh, they're, so they're, they're fourth in their division right now. So currently speaking, their lineup on the road, according to ESPN's depth chart. So if they're on the road and Ben Simmons finally starts playing basketball, it's Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry at the three, Kessler Edwards, and Andre Drummond. That's their starting lineup. That does not that that doesn't give me any confidence right now. And until Durant is back, this team is so far removed from being a juggernaut, a, a contender. Yeah, there's yeah. just no way for me to sit here and say that it. There's just no way they added Goran Dragic, which is cool, but Goran Dragic is not tipping. He's not going to tip the scales for me because with Dragic, you're just adding another point guard. If Kyrie's not going to play every home game, Dragic there is cool. He's a nice stopgap, but they're missing size at the three. Well, and even when Kyrie's not playing home games, it's going to be the same thing with their playoffs. Like they kind of want to be the lower seed because it seems like they'd rather play road playoff games at this point, so you can have Kyrie. And you're just gonna get your heads kicked in at home during the playoffs, and that's not a winning. That's not a winning formula. It's not gonna get you anywhere. Yeah, the I'm not gonna sit here. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Oh, Kyrie Irving selfish," or "Kyrie Irving this," "Kyrie Irving that." It is what it is. The Nets are dealing with what they're dealing with, but they're not gonna. They weren't this juggernaut that they were at the beginning of the season, and they're not gonna really scare anybody when you have to line up against them in the playoffs. The problem with the Nets is they are paying. 60 million dollars plus to a guy that cannot play in home games and a guy that has not set foot on a basketball court since he passed out of a dunk in last year's playoffs for everyone saying the nets are the new favorites temper your expectations because kevin durant's still not back kyrie irving is only playing in half of the games and ben simmons hasn't touched a basketball court since last playoffs it's it's one thing if Ben Simmons was playing great basketball before the trade and he goes into Brooklyn, he doesn't have to warm up. He doesn't have to get back to game speed. This right. is like it. It's essentially Ben Simmons is going to have to play himself back into shape during a playoff push. And I'm taking Milwaukee over them. I'm taking Miami over them. Give me Chicago over them. And of course I'm taking Phil- Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia is the scariest one to me right now, because I don't think there's anybody in the Eastern conference besides maybe a Giannis that could even think of possibly checking Embiid because that was the biggest thing with the Sixers. If you double-team Embiid, you make him pass out, kind of like they do with Jokic, but Jokic is a different breed all to himself. With Harden there, you can no longer just say, we're not going to let Joel Joel beat us because James will beat you nine times out of ten. And if you think I'm wrong, I'm going to point you straight to that game in Golden State like two, three years ago whenever it was Durant, Curry, Clay. And Draymond, whenever Katie had to go out of bounds by three feet to save a pass, that wasn't called out of bounds. And then Harden gets a four-point play to close out the game. Harden is that dude. And as soon as he starts coming back with that, good luck, Eastern Conference. Well, that's why Philly got him. 
like right there, he'll win, he'll win games when Joel is shut down, when and if you can shut him down. And if you look at the top four teams that um, the Nets would have to play, right now they'd play the Heat, they could play the Bulls, they could play the Sixers, or somehow if they made it to five, they'd play the Cavaliers. They might, I, might be able to beat the Cavaliers, but the Nets are never going to make the fifth seed anyways, so it doesn't it, matter. If Durant is if Durant's in any playoff series, the Nets have a shot. True. But until Kevin Durant's back on the court, it, I think he's dealing like an MCL sprain. So yeah. I just I don't trust the health of their stars, um, and their fringe guys just don't inspire me that much. I like Nick Claxton. I like Daron Sharp. I like Cam Thomas. They have some cool young pieces, but everybody else, it's aging veterans that are there on like. Veterans minimums, or you got guys like Drummond. Drummond's even making like two million a year. Their highest paid role player at this point is Joe Harris, and he hasn't touched the court in what feels like two months. So if Harris isn't going to come back, it, it's just they're so hurt, and I don't expect anybody to be back ASAP. So it's just they're going to slide further. I don't expect them to surge up the rankings unless Kyrie goes. And the thing about it too is. I listened to a podcast last week, and from the time that I was listening, I, I was—I know, I know. Could you? <laughs> but uh, on that podcast, someone mentioned that Kyrie only has like eight more home, eight more road games this year, or something. Like the Nets have a lot of home games coming down the stretch, so Kyrie can't even play in those. Yeah. So I'm not super inspired. Like they're going to be a play-in team, or they're going to be like a six seed. I don't, I don't see them going any higher than that. So it's cool that you have Kyrie for playoff series, but. Unless the mandate gets lifted, I don't like the Nets' chances of doing anything deep into the playoffs right now. And I don't foresee any mandates getting moved anytime soon, especially in New York City. But speaking of things getting moved, Austin, uh, another trade. Celtics got Derek White. I like this move a lot. Um, They moved Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford along with two picks that are first-rounders. One is protected. Uh, no, 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 no. Neither are protected. One's 2028 first round pick swap. So they just swap picks that year and they get their, uh, then the Spurs are getting the Celtics first round pick for this coming year. I like the trade. The Celtics are a pretty good team. Uh, they lacked identity for most of this year. They've got two of the best two way. They, they, they have one of the best offensive wings in Jason Tatum and arguably one of the best two way wings in Jalen Brown in the NBA. Currently um, they were, lacking that identity of like moving the ball. They had a lot of scoring type guys with like Dennis Schroeder. Marcus Smart likes to try and score the ball a lot. But as of right now, adding Derek White into the mix, he's a guy that can score the rock. He's a guy that can pass the rock and he doesn't need to shoot 20 times a game. He's provided excellent depth and excellent size for his position. And they've been playing out of their minds as of late. They beat the fucking Sixers by like 50 points the other day or some shit. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, Boston currently sitting at the sixth seed up by a half game over the Raptors. Um, back by two games of the Bucks, uh, the Bucks, the Cavs, and the Sixers. Man, and the East is close. Um, East is going to be a bloodbath. It is Nelly. You, it was mostly uh, all the Eastern teams that need to improve because the West is kind of. It's very the top West heavy. feels, yeah, very top heavy. And the East is close from what one through six, one through eight. So the problem, yeah, one West. one through eight is separated by seven games. It's not even, it's not a whole lot. And then you got the Hornets at nine, which is man, Charlotte. <laughs> what's so what's Charlotte pro- gonna do? 
The problem out West is that you have your top heavy. So the West is top heavy. You have Phoenix and Golden State, which are basically ready-made contenders over the last three years. You just have to add on the fringes and hope that the role players aren't absolute garbage. Memphis is cool. They have a lot of young guys. Ja is on a rookie scale contract and they have a lot of good depth around him and they've drafted very well over the past couple of years. So Memphis is, is a surprise, but then you have all these other teams that are contenders that are comprised of like two all-star starters essentially. So you have a lot of max contracts between seeds, like four all the way down to like seed eight. And so it made it very hard for a lot of these other teams besides you're because the Blazers made deals, the Pelicans made deals, but a lot of your true contenders or playoff playoff caliber teams can't make these vertical moves as a team like Philly just did, or you saw with the Kings, how they were able to move for a guy like Sabonis who makes more money. The West, it's very hard to make a lot of moves because the way that the salaries work. Um, Portland sent out CJ McCollum three years too late, in my opinion. Uh, they just punted this season. Damian hasn't, pl- Lillard hasn't played in the last like two months and they should probably just shut him down, give him a year to rest and hopefully comes back stronger next year. They have assembled a treasure trove of picks, which I respect, and they're pushing a hard reset. Um, they kept Josh Hart and Sadoransky. They flipped uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker to uh, the Jazz in exchange for Joe Ingles and some picks. They're getting a lot of draft capital. They're clearing their books. I think next year the only players Portland's going to have on staff or on the roster is Lillard, Nasir Little, um, Josh Hart, and... Simons as well. So Lillard, Nurkic, Simons, Hart, and what was that last one? They have a lot of expiring deals. They have a ton of cap space, and they're positioning themselves to make a move for a second all-star to put alongside Damian Lillard, which is the best thing they could have done. Dame's going to be 32 next year. It's just they've been toiling away with this same roster for the past five years, only getting to the Yeah, they've always made noise because Dame Lillard – can change a game, can really carry a team to a playoff spot and sometimes a playoff series win. But I don't know, just I like Dane a lot and I respect his loyalty for not wanting to go anywhere else and sticking in Portland for probably what's going to be his career, it seems like. Um, But he's been kind of in the same spot. How How do I put this? It I don't want to compare Dame to LeBron, but it's just been like LeBron ran into the Warriors X amount of times, you know, during his Cleveland run, and Dame had to suffer the same fate, just not in the finals. You know, everyone's kind of gotten shut down by what that dynasty was. And then, you know, LeBron goes to the Lakers, has a bad year, wins a title with AD. Um They've just never been the juggernaut to be afraid of. They've always gotten beaten by the juggernaut, and they just haven't been able to put enough pieces together to compete. You know, Dane's a great player, but he just can't do it all on his own. The modern comparison for Damian Lillard in terms of situation is Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. Damian Damian Lillard has been one of the top 15 guys in the league for the last six, seven years. But he hasn't had anything to show for that besides all star appearances and like early to mid playoff exits. Exactly. 
And it's not Lillard's fault that the front office has been incompetent in providing him supporting talent. Kevin Garnett wasted almost 10 years of his 10 to 15 years of his career out in Minnesota before the Celtics traded for him. And yeah. Portland has an opportunity to try and bring guys in for Dame as opposed to the Timberwolves just shipping Garnett out for pieces. I expect it to eventually get to the point where Dame is going to ask out and Dame will be on a better team. Time will tell if he can finally get his ring and get his shine in terms of the greatest stage. Dame is a world-class player. He's a top five point guard, whichever way you cut it. And mm -hmm. hopefully Portland has figured something out coming into this next year because the clock is ticking. And I think this coming year will be his last in Portland if they cannot figure out something. If they don't make the conference finals next year or even push, if they don't make it to the second round next year and Dame has, I don't know, a supporting cast. I, the free agents this year, it's like Zach Levine and like a handful of other guys. And I don't expect anybody to actually move. So it's going to be really hard for Portland to keep him on, but we'll see how they play it out. What about the Porzingis uh, trade? What, is that, what does that do for Dallas? They are sitting in the fifth slot right now at 35 and 24, uh, down a game and a half to the Jazz for fourth place. But that's about as close as they're going to get. The Suns are in first place by six and a half games. The Suns are running away with first place. <laughs> it's not even close. Um, they have the Grizzlies at third. And then we said, like I said, the Jazz at four, Mavericks five, Nuggets six, Timberwolves seven, Clippers at eight. Um, they send them off to Washington for, and the second round pick for Spencer Dinwiddle and Dinwiddie. Oh, Dinwiddie, now. yeah. Dinwiddie. What a name. What a name. And uh, Davis Burton's? Burton. Burton's. Davis Burton's. Burton. Okay, so this deal, um, the Mavs. They were kind of – so the thing is, at, at first, like, they're trying to clear some cap money. Um, this deal doesn't really clear a whole lot of money out of the way because Dinwiddie's on a pretty big contract for his uh, play, and Burton's is one of the most overpaid players in the league. He uh, <laughs> cashed out from shooting, like, 40% from three in San Antonio for three years to uh, cashing for almost $20 million a year for not shooting very well or doing much in Washington. This deal gives uh, Dallas some options. They made their move to get Porzingis because they thought that Porzingis would go back to his uh, pre-injury status in New York, be that level of player. And at times he was able to provide that 25 to 28 points per game with like eight to nine rebounds for the Mavericks, but it was never consistent. His body has not been able to sustain him for the last three years. And it's just one step forward and two steps back with Kristaps because he just can't stay healthy. I like yeah. him in Washington for Bradley Beal for a year because Kristaps is dynamic and he's really good whenever he's fully healthy, but we haven't seen him be fully healthy for years now. The Mavericks now have to answer the question, are we going to pay Jalen Brunson what he deserves? Because Luke is a max level dude. Luke is getting right. paid the most that you can pay him for the rest of his career until he falls off, which I don't expect for a long time. His game is going to age pretty gracefully from the way that I see it. Yeah. Dinwiddie plays the same role as a Jalen Brunson, and they will probably basically this gives them a counter to whatever it is they thought where they were going to have to do in the offseason because they had the two max guys, Kristaps and Luca. They needed to re sign Dorian Finney Smith, which they did to like a four year or like a three, four year, $50 million deal. Congrats to Dorian Finney Smith for getting his bag. But now they can look in the offseason to possibly sign and trade a guy like Jalen Brunson to a contending team for a good piece, as opposed to having to just match. 
now that they have Dinwiddie there, who's under contract, and he can play a serviceable NBA point guard. Let's not forget him in Brooklyn for two, three years when he was helping keep that team afloat, the D'Angelo Russell years where they were all dancing on the benches. He's a, he's a pretty good player whenever he can put it all together. He soured in Washington due to just some bloviating on his part. He thought he was better than he actually is to a certain extent. But I think alongside Luca, Spencer can be a productive player. And if they don't want to commit to Brunson, Dinwiddie being there allows them to pivot off of Brunson and trade him in a sign and trade. There you go. It's just that easy. I mean, if you look at the Wizards, they're in the 11th spot, uh, 27 and 31. But to get to the 10th spot, you're down a game to the Hawks. Um, the Knicks are still technically in it, and that's about as close as it gets. The Pacers are 20 and 40. They're kind of out of it at this point. Bottom three teams are going to be out of it. But do you think you can push the Wizards to a play-in spot? Hell no. No, no way. No way. Not happening. The Washington Wizards, <laughs> when fully healthy, are cool, and they started the season shot out of a cannon. But they are who we thought they were. Uh, Bradley Beal is a really, really good player in terms of NBA starting caliber players. But he's been out for a while now. If you look at their roster, you got Raul Neto, KCP, Corey Kispert, Kyle Kuzma, and Chris Stops. Corey Kispert's cool. He can shoot the ball. He can shoot the rock. They got Denny Ajava or Avdija. They, they have some really cool prospects and players. Raul Neto is not a starting point guard on a playoff team. KCP is cool as a bench piece. Take it from a Lakers fan. He was, in, he was instrumental in our uh, championship year. And Kyle Kuzma is a really good player, especially whenever you let him score the rock. But this is not a playoff team by any stretch. Even with Bradley Beal, they're barely pushing for a play-in spot. And with how loaded the East is, there's no way they're making it in. Because you have teams like Charlotte, New York, Atlanta, just to name a few, that are going to be fighting for that same spot that Washington thinks they may have a shot at getting. <laughs> Their best bet, try and get a good draft pick, come in, come into next year, Try and bring in somebody through free agency, bring back Kate, bring back Kuzma, bring back Porzingis, and bring back Beal and try and figure something out with this team. Because a big thing for them too is Hachimura hasn't been playing a lot this year, and he's a really good player. I like him a lot. Any other trades? We won't talk about Anthony Davis and his poor ankle. No. Oh, well, I will not do- tolerate any Anthony Davis slander. Never have. I'm not saying it's slander, but it just, it just keeps going downhill for that guy. Montrez Montrez Harrell got swapped over to the uh, Hornets for a package including Ish Smith, Vernon Carey Jr. and the uh, 2023 second round pick. It's cool for Charlotte. Doesn't answer their questions in terms of like defense at center. It affords them more scoring whenever LaMelo's not on the court or Bridges. And it allows their offense to be, to be more dynamic because Harrell is a really good scorer at his position. I just don't think it turns the table for them. They're still a play-in team, and they might make the playoffs with them, but if they get bounced out early, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I mean, what can you really expect to win? You know, you're going to be one of those play-in teams. You slip in at the 8th, ninth, whatever seed, and then you're going to play the Heat, the Bulls, and the 76ers in round one. And the final trade I'll talk about is that four-teamer between the Bucks, Clippers, Kings, and the Pistons. Marvin Bagley is no longer on the Kings. They shipped him out to Detroit. Big thing out of this deal, the Bucks got Serge Ibaka, which is huge. Ibaka is still a serviceable player in limited minutes. I think he'll be good for their front court whenever they can't have Brooke Lopez out there because he hasn't been healthy all year. The Kings got their guy. Um, 
two, two, two years ago, uh, the Kings were trying to ship off uh, what's Bogdan Bogdanovich to the Bucks for Dante DiVincenzo and a package of other stuff. There was tampering involved. The deal never went through. Monty McNair finally got his guy. It may have cost them Tyrese Halliburton, but DiVincenzo was in Sacramento. So, this is my question. Yep. And I don't even know if you have the answer to this. What did Mar- Marvin Bagley to the, to the Pistons do? Nothing. They're 13 and 45. What was the point for the Pistons to be involved in this? It's they, so the Pistons moved. Uh, they got. So who did the Pistons actually move in this trade? So they moved a second round pick. So two second round picks from Detroit got moved. Marvin Bagley was a top five draft pick like three years ago. And I'm not saying Marvin Bagley is like the greatest player on the planet, but Kings fans have been in my ear for years saying once Marvin gets healthy, look out. He has talent. Will he ever actually fully realize it? I don't believe so. It's a cheap flyer on a guy that was a lottery. That was a, top five pick less than four years ago. If he doesn't pan out, who cares? It's not like Detroit was actually going to use the second round picks for anything. I mean, I guess. It's just, it's so odd to me when stuff like that happens. It's yeah. just, I don't know. Uh, in terms of the NBA in general, I look at the standings and I don't see really any surprises. We talked about the Cavs a couple weeks ago when we were catching up um, before the Super Bowl. Um, we like the Cavs a lot. The Bucks at fifth, sixth. Is the Celtics, the Raptors are seven, Nets are eight. Um, in the West, you have the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Clippers. The Lakers are, you know, not having a good time. Uh, they'll probably be a playing team most likely at four games under right now um, because LeBron James just will get you at least to that spot to play a one-game playoff. Um, but is there any? Is there any anything you got? As we um, kind of approach towards the end of the season. The Suns are in a very, very advantageous position. Chris Paul's out for six to eight weeks. If Golden State's <laughs> going to claim the one seed, it's going to have to be in this next two-week stretch. The Grizzlies are the biggest surprise in the West. I think they'll stay the three seed. Um, from the Jazz all the way to the Clippers, I don't love any of these teams. If the Nuggets can get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back before the playoffs start, they're very intriguing. Jokic should win MVP. Second year straight, the dude is absolutely magical. But the Jazz don't have enough offensively. The Mavericks don't have enough defensively or offensively. The Timberwolves, biggest surprise of the year for me in the West, just besides the Grizzlies. Cats finally going to get some playoff exposure. Anthony Edwards, one year better. D'Angelo Russell, he's a, he's a good guy out there in Minnesota. The Clippers at eight are scary because if Kawhi and PG somehow can miraculously make their comeback this postseason – they skyrocket as probably the worst team you could play in an early round, <laughs> especially as a one or two seed. Um, the Lakers, we're just going to need LeBron to say, get on my back. And maybe Russ starts to figure it out. Who knows? Davis won't be back for a month or two. So that really hurts. Trailblazers probably drop out. That Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook wasn't traded, or do you think all the rumors of people thinking he was going to get traded was just kind of eh, he's going to stay? It's it's hard to trade him to begin with. The fact That's that the deal got too. moved twice in the last three years boggles my mind. Literally, Washington because he went from having the most unmovable contract in basketball to being moved twice. Same should happen <laughs> to Chris Paul. Like this, this happens True. all the time. Like. You go from having an unmovable contract to being flipped twice in three years. Um, 
we, we wouldn't benefit from trading Westbrook. The best thing we had on the table was like John Wall. And we'd have to like lose our draft pick. So I'm not going to sit here and say we could have been better off moving Westbrook. It's just kind of, we made, we, we Palenka made the bed. So we're just going to have to fucking lay in it. To be honest, we suck. And it's no fault of anyone's besides our own point blank. The heat or not the heat, the East, the Eastern conference where the heat are the one seed. Super interesting separation from the one seed all the way to the eight seed is seven games. If you look at the separation from the Suns to the Lakers, it's 21. So <laughs> the West is very top heavy. The East, the Heat could be the sixth seed and the Bucks could be the one seed or the Nets could find somehow find their way to being the four seed. None of this is going to be the same by the time that the season's over. If I had to pick my one seed, I think if James Harden comes back soon, Philly should be able to secure that. Yeah. I think the Bulls should be a top three seed. I think the Bucks possibly move into a top three seed as well the heat have been very good uh they have not had a fully healthy team for most of this year the fact that the one seed is miraculous and i think they're a dangerous team in the playoffs the two favorites coming out of the east for me is the sixers and the bucks the bucks are the defending champions brooke lopez will come back and even whenever he's not there you still have Giannis, you still have middleton and you still have drew that is three players that any team does not want to go against raptors have been surprising and the knicks and the Hawks have been the most disappointing teams in basketball. Aside from the Lakers, I'll give the Lakers their shit. We really suck. It's impossible to describe how disappointed I am in the team. We're yeah. old shit, and we made a trade for the most ball dominant players since I don't know when. This wasn't supposed to work, and it didn't. We had way better audibles that we could have went for. But the Eastern Conference will be real fun. I don't think there's a single playoff matchup that will be bad in the East. The West, honestly. There may be a sinker if a team like the Pelicans pushes for a play-in spot. I think out of all the teams that are sitting around that area, the Clippers and Lakers, I think, should be locks. Uh, the Blazers are probably going to drop out of it. They're very young, and they don't stand to gain much from a play-in to making the playoffs, playing a series. Dame's not going to play this year. You should try and get the best draft pick possible. Not saying to tank, but I'm not thinking that they're better off making the playoffs. The Kings, if they figure their shit out, I guess, could try and make a push. I don't see it happening. But they made the move for Sabonis, so they're all in. So hopefully they can do it for their own sake. It's so weird to say that. It's but awesome. Spurs and Pelicans, I think, are the two that probably sneak up past Portland to finalize that four-team swath for the play-in stuff. All right. Uh, until the NBA figures figures it out a little bit more and we'll close the book on that. Um, about what, 20-something games left? 30? It varies a little bit from team to team. You've got the Warriors who have played 59 games, 58. So yeah, about 25, 20-something games left, about a month, month or two left in the season. We're getting there. We're getting there. Who knows with the pandemic? Got 54 days, so it's not going it, to – we're going to blink and the playoffs will be here. Honestly, any thoughts on the All-Star game? All-Star weekend cool. for that matter? It was cool. I, I liked that LeBron hit the game winner out in uh, Cleveland. I, 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 Steph winning the MVP <laughs> makes a lot of sense. The dude shoots the ball better than anybody in the history of basketball. There's no defense being played. Surprised he hasn't won it more often. 50 points is great. AD still has 52 for the most in All-Star game history. Shout out, Davis. Um, 
I'm pretty sure I didn't call it on the podcast, but I was in halftime rooms throughout the last month or so talking about like in the chat. I was like, I think Cat's a dark horse to win the event. He went out and fucking won it. Shout out Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. I thought Toppin was going to win the dunk contest just because Jalen Green's cool. He has a following on social media. Juan Toscano Anderson. I don't know when's the last time I've seen him play important minutes in a basketball game. <laughs> and I just wasn't, I wasn't impressed with any of the contestants for the dunk contest, but Obi Toppin has been bringing the thunder since he was at Dayton. That guy was going between the legs in game. So it was like, he has to pull something out. The contest was the worst one in years. I blame Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon for that, but <laughs> it's cool to see stuff out in Cleveland. The NBA 75 ceremony they had at halftime was really cool to watch. Yeah, it's like seeing that. all like the people that, that passed away between the uh, 50 and the 75, but it's cool to celebrate the legends of the game and some of the guys that are still playing today that have cracked that ceiling. Um, it's just cool to see all those great players grouped up into the same place. Very thankful that I was able to actually witness that. Yeah, and Michael Jordan being there made for a bunch of memes, so that well, always gets Daytona where? earlier in the day. There's a meme <laughs> he saw gambling in Team Durant's locker room said, fuck it, where's my private jet? <laughs> hey man, whatever works. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of Major League Baseball, um, the owners, Bob Manfred, I hate you so much. Um, and the Players Association met for over, I believe it was, I think it was a couple hours today, which hopefully is a good sign that they actually want to get a deal done. The deadline is set for a week from today, that if a deadline the deal is not made by next week's deadline. The season will not start on time. Um, I think spring training games got pushed back to March 5th. We still have a massive free agency pool. We still have Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, um, Clayton, Clayton Kershaw. Um, we have a lot of big name free agents who are set to make a lot of money. Um, Juan Soto is looking for half a billion dollars. Give him the money, damn it. You traded away all of his friends. Give him something to fucking hold on to. Speaking of Juan Soto and the Washington Nationals, um, we don't have a choice. We're going to start our division breakdowns next week, starting with the National League East. Um, after that, we'll go to the AL East, then the NL Central, AL Central, NL West, AL West. Um, so every Monday for the next six weeks, we will be covering baseball divisions. Um, I don't love it because of the big names that we still have in the free agency market and the impact they could make. Like if Chris, like if I was doing the AL West, luckily it's the last one we're doing, but if I was doing the AL West and the Seattle Mariners signed Chris Bryant, Seattle skyrockets in my power rankings. Well, they would have but, Robbie Ray, Chris Bryant, Jared Kelnick. They have, they already have some decent pitching. It would be oh, insane. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they traded for Adam Frazier. Um, the Dodgers need to make moves in order to move up in my rankings because uh, the Padres have Bob Melton. I feel like that skyrocketed them for me. Um, having It is always nice to have a uh, competent person leading the way, and Bob Melton is definitely that dude. Um, honestly, any guy who could put up with a, the A's for as long as he did and taking them to where he did for so many years um, – Dude's a Hall of Famer in my book as a manager alone. Um, the accolades aren't going to be there for Bob, um, especially in terms of playoff wins, but he has ran into Justin Verlander multiple times, and they kind of just got in their own way. Um, but all in all, 
the point is Bob Melton going down to San Diego skyrockets that team in my eyes. Even though they moved out of Brazier, they're still a stacked team. And he will, in my opinion, make the right moves that could lead him to an LMS title. Um, so we're hoping that a deal is made before next week. It really looks like the owners and the Players Association some finally give a shit <laughs> about yeah. about getting a deal together. We already have some things. Apparently, we're going to have 17 playoffs. Which me and Devin are going to go back and forth on. He li- he likes it. Devin kind of likes it. I kind of hate it. but I love it. it. It's The thing about it is, the thing about it is, Austin, baseball is not this sacred fucking jewel that it used to be. Yes, it um, is. No, baseball is baseball is it's as American as America is, and that's the biggest problem because for a large part of our country's history, we've kind of sucked. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> baseball is so slow to get with the fucking times, and I get it. More playoff spots leads to some some teams having worse series, and there's far more variance in baseball where weird things can happen. Um, but I'm just going to call it like it is. Baseball wants to survive. Baseball is going to have to pay the uh, lower level guys more money in order to survive as a as a league. And more playoff teams is infinitely more revenue. It's it, it's more concessions, it's true, it's yeah. more seats, it's more advertising money. The only way for baseball to grow and for the players to be as satisfied as the owners are is to expand the playoffs. It's the first step to actually improving the game. Yeah, and I can sit on my soapbox all day and be an old head and talk about it. And all in all, growing the game revenue-wise is what will help it overall because we don't market the players very well. Um, And ticket prices aren't going up because of player salaries. Ticket prices are just going up because of, you know, the economy, and that's just the way it is. Like, normal guys like me and Devin can't. Yeah, me and Devin can't go to playoff games. If we go to a World Series game, it's a once-in-a-lifetime type deal. We might never get to go again. The Super um, Bowl, the cheapest ticket out for the Super Bowl I saw on, like, uh, StubHub was, like, six grand. Yeah. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing that you have to put like, your life savings into. And even then, those seats are terrible. Yeah, it's it's no longer just sport. It is spectacle. And that's fine. Uh, sports over the last 30 years have transformed from this because ideally sport itself is just a game. This is so far past the game that you can call it sports, but at the end of the day, all this shit is just entertainment. Like, yeah, yeah, they're still playing the same game, but the terms and conditions are far different now. Baseball will change as capitalism deems fit. Same thing with the NFL, same thing with the NBA because cash is king. The biggest thing for me is that baseball is obviously the most played game in terms of games in a season. So, in generally, in 162 games, you're going to find out who the best teams are and who those five teams on each side. Remember, there's only four for the longest time, and expanding it to five was a little crazy. There's um, a lot of teams, seven. There's a lot of teams that missed out that realistically could have made pushes this previous year. The Phillies were really hot for a second there, and they just sure. missed the playoffs. But like, the, so, the fact that you can you have you have to be consistent for a decent amount of time. You you don't really see you look at the Washington Nationals of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. You can't really there's not really another team that's done that in a really long time. You could say the Giants were like, Yeah, you guys were the underdog going in every single time. You yeah. first swept the Cincinnati Reds, you made the St. Louis Cardinals your bitch multiple times. Yeah, um we did. 
but they were never a Cinderella story. They kind of just, you know, played well throughout the year for the most part and got in. And, you know, they're like, okay, they're they're an okay team. But, you know, the Nationals are looking, you know, under 500 almost halfway through the season. And they kind of have this big, long-ass run to make the playoffs and then get by the juggernaut Dodgers. You absolutely annihilate the Cardinals. Seems to be a theme here about the Cardinals. Um, and then you take it to seven games with the Astros and – uh, never went at home, but always went on the road. It, a 162-game season kind of narrows down who the best teams are and really suppresses these Cinderella stories. And we don't really see a whole lot of these Cinderella stories anymore anyways in all sports. Like, you kind of look at the Super Bowl, and it was almost the Bengals, but the Bengals were really good throughout the season, and they kind of just beat the juggernaut. I think that was the biggest thing about their hype train. And the Rams set themselves up to be there. Um who who just won the NBA championship last year? Um, oh, oh, the uh, I know who it is. The Bucks, yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks, the Bucks were the made to win that. They had Giannis. They had a really good team. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning and hockey are back to back champions because they're just fucking good. They are very very good. Um, powerful goaltending, powerful you know scoring. Maybe everything you need on a hockey team, the Tampa Bay Lightning has had. Um, I don't, I don't know. It, baseball it has a problem. Baseball is going to have a problem. The thing about baseball for me is there's not much incentivizing teams because you're either a playoff team or you're just kind of dog shit in the MLB for the most part. Like, yeah, you have <laughs> Toronto that was the redheaded stepchild last year, winning 91 games and missing the playoffs. But usually you're below 500 if you're not making the playoffs in the MLB. And I think – expanding the playoffs means teams have to give a shit more often. You, you Obviously, there will be some bad teams that make it, but more often than not, these bad teams are going to try to stay competitive to try and make these yeah. other spots into the playoffs. Yeah, so and, and I never I never want to hear anybody say that like it incentivizes teams to win more. If a team isn't incentivized to win before even we were expanded to five teams, we have a problem. Like, don't mm. tell me it incentivizes teams to win the division more. It, if you were never going into the season trying to win the division, you shouldn't be playing the game to start with. It, it's as yeah. simple as that. And the, the other biggest problem that I have with it is that so far from what I've read is that out of seven teams, top seed will get a bye. That's fine. Mm. I get that. As the best, If you're the best in the league, you get like three or four more extra days off, rest your pitchers, because they're important. And then two, the two seed will pick who they want to play from Ooh. five, six, seven. And then three will pick from the other two. And then four will get the remaining. I like that a lot. That's actually better than normal seeding. I just, I, I don't know. I don't like, it's, I think it's going to cause, it's going to cause bad blood. That's for sure. Because it, that's it's, the biggest selling point of baseball. Rivalries. The game is built off of rivalries. Dodgers, Giants. Yankees fucking Red Sox like the bad blood between baseball teams is what makes baseball so great because you don't have these individuals that are so marketed like in the NBA you've got LeBron versus Curry you've got all these like singular player versus player arcs there is no Aaron Judge versus fucking JD Martinez it's Red Sox Yankees it's Giants Dodgers and I think because I get it it's it's so far different from the other leagues but baseball is like 85% 85% strategy and preparing. And then it's like 15% actually producing on the field to a certain extent. Obviously there's far more that goes into it, but I think that's the most baseball way 
to make it work. If you're going to have seven teams, you give that first team the buy and then the sec because the seeds matter now. You have to be better than other teams in order to figure out who you're going to play. Because you get to, you, if you have first pick, that is huge. Obviously, the buy is yeah, the second seed. Exactly. It 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 directly incentivizes being in those top four, or at least so being because in the, top the thing four. is, second. Let's say I'm the I'm the Texas Rangers and I'm you know seed number two, and I look down at the five, six, and seven teams, and I see. I don't know, the Cleveland Indians at seven. You're going to look down. Oh, right, the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> you're going to look down and see the Cleveland Guardians at seven. You're going to be like, oh, looks like they're the steam out of this. I'm going to pick them. Immediately, instantly, Cleveland's going to be like, take the loot, huh? They can lead us, huh? It's immediately going to cause, I don't know Fine. if that's a problem the more I think about it more, but it's gonna it's that's gonna happen instantaneously because obviously as a second seed, you're gonna pick your best matchup, i.e. the weakest team on the board. In a league that has gotten smarter and smarter over the last two decades, I think giving managers and these front offices and teams the ability to pick who they're gonna play in their first round playoff matchup is it's paramount to the state of the game. We have gone from counting stats to analytics and uh advanced stats. And I think with the analytics teams inside of these organizations, I think teams will be able to make educated decisions about who's the best team they can play. Because odds are some teams are going to pick a seed that's higher than the other because they match up better. So it's not just going to be this cut and dry thing. Well, yeah, if you you have, I don't know. If you have a bunch of lefties and their lineup dies against lefties, you're going to pick them. Right, and if, it's like, that- like I'll go back to my example. If the Rangers have like Clayton Kershaw, and Clayton Kershaw is fifteen and one with an ERA of point nine two against the Guardians, you're like, well, I guess who I know I'm throwing out game one because we could easily probably take game one against the Guardians. Yep, you know it's easily going to be that. You, who, how does your best guy line up against it? Because the way it's supposed to be, it's going to be three home game for the top seed, whoever you know picks the team. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll basically be the same way as it was in 2020, except instead of eight, it's seven. Um, I'm not too sh- I'm pretty sure. I would assume it's um, three division winners. And I don't know if they're taking all the second place teams and then a wild card winner. I need to dive into it more. Um, yeah. But we'll it's, the cor- it's the correct answer for the players to get more money at the same time, not tacking on more regular season games. Because adding playoff teams, it's 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 new age and it's going to be different than what we've seen in baseball. But all things considered, I just it's it's the next best step to getting the players what they want while also appeasing the uh, ownership groups. Like I said, I don't know if it's official yet, um, but we will see soon. Um, once the CBA gets set up, hopefully soon, we'll see. Um, but we'll start our division previews. We'll start next week. We'll be done by the first week, the first Monday of the season, if it does start on time. So we won't be too – our opinions won't be changed too much by three or four games by teams because that will be yeah. the AL West. And, you know, I'm pretty kind of confident in my takes in the AL West and how it's going to go. Um, unless the A's spend six million, six hundred million dollars or something, 
Um, but it was not going to happen, so it's not going matter. So that that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited to talk baseball. It's been been for a while ever since um, what's their face has won the the title. Um, uh, been that long already, huh? The Braves. The Braves. There you go. I think Freddie Freeman's still on the market. Yeah, Freddie Freeman's still on the market. Matt Olson might get traded. There's so much. We need a new deal now. Say Suzuki hasn't been signed yet. He's the biggest Japanese prospect to come out since Shohei, it seems like. There's a lot of stuff that needs to get moved. Yeah, because like, it sucks that we're going to do the NLEs first because if the Braves get Freddie, I think they're the favorites. If, if the, Braves the Braves don't get Freddie, they're going to If Freddie comes back to the Braves, they're the favorite in the NL until yeah. proven otherwise. You're, you're going to give me a team that has a league MVP – Who's still in his prime? Freddie Freeman is still hitting the shadow balls and playing a great first base. You give me Ozzie Albies, another year older. Dansby Swanson was really good in that postseason run. Austin Riley was the best third baseman in baseball for that playoff run, in my opinion. Yeah. That dude was hammering shots to center field. Then you bring back Acuna, who is arguably the best player in baseball when fully healthy. Arguably, you can put some guys over him. Obviously, Mike Trout exists. Shohei was insane. I think Soto might be the best guy in the division, but don't tell Ronald. And then you've also got Soroka coming back from injury and a pitching staff that overachieved to a certain extent in the playoffs, but is rock solid. Mm -hmm. And you're also returning Peterson, Rosario, and Soler. Not to mention Ozuna might come back this year. They've got a lot of talent, and it's going to be very interesting to see if Freeman comes back. And I was uh, talking to somebody the other day uh, that signed Kirby Yates, who is most likely going to be their eighth inning guy. Yep. And that dude was the best closer in baseball two seasons ago. Yep. So, they are... Three seasons ago. But it, to put Kirby Yates in a spot, I'll talk about this more next week, but to put Kirby Yates in a non-pressure spot of being the setup guy for Will Smith, that to unlock kind of what he had before, it's like, hey, you can't you can't blow the game in this situation. If you if you give up a lead, it'll be fine. It's not the end. You know, you're not the closer. The, the NL East could get decided on two moves. Freeman goes to somewhere like the Dodgers and Correa decides he wants to be a New York Met. If you give Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor on the same roster, that's the best middle infield in baseball, bar none. I'd be wild. Because, man, because Seager and Simeon's great. The bats there are amazing and Seager has a really solid glove. But Correa and Lindor is just, it's, it's a step above. You can't, you can't argue against it. Rangers bought themselves the best middle infield in baseball, and the Mets said, you know what? I think I'll do the same. Steve, Steve Cohen said, hey, man, it's all about the Mets, baby. Mets, you said Mets, spending Mets. money, I'll spend money. The Steve Let me Cohen just pull way. out my checkbook real quick. No, yeah, <laughs> the MLB is going to get flipped on its head. Don't expect Tampa to make any moves. They signed Wander to their big deal, I think. So he's going to be there. Unless Freddie Freeman will, is willing to take a you know ninety seven million dollar pay cut, pay cut, yeah. <laughs> they, they they have Wander, who's the best guy since sliced bread, apparently, and they also have some motherfucker named Randy. Love that guy. So Tampa's going to be good. Boston has some things they have to atone for. It's going to be a crazy rest of the off season. I'm ready for free agency because it's going to hit quick. I feel like half the deals. Yeah, it was it was huge before uh, the lockout, and it's going to be just as big. You had we just had so many names, and you had, yeah. I would say, half of them signed, and the other half is just like waiting. The AL is poised to be the best league in baseball. 
yeah. with how these moves have gone. We will have to see how it plays out, but the Blue Jays got Gosman. They lost Robbie Ray. They also have Barrios who's going to come back. It's The moves have all – every player that's left the NL seems to have gone to the AL, and if an AL player left, they're still in the AL on a different roster. <laughs> exactly. So the NL has some uh, – they have some splaining to do, but we're definitely going to see how it all how it all pans out. But, yeah, baseball's coming back soon. Even if they're not back, we will be. Exactly. Um, other than that, other than the entire hour we just spent talking about sports. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, use this code. It's kind of cool. TMSM at manscaped.com gets you 20% off and free shipping worldwide. That's better than statewide or nationwide because the whole world, man, giant sphere, you got you covered. Not so much. I thought the about- earth was flat. Ah, oh, shit. Kyrie Irving's on the line. I got to go, man. <laughs> anyway, however you perceive our planet, flat, round, rectangular, or octagonal, does not matter to me and doesn't matter manscaped either. They'll ship it out for free. It'll still be worldwide regardless. Regardless. But but I think that's about it. Um, As always, thank you guys for tuning in. I am ready for baseball to grow up and sign the damn (laughs) paperwork. And yeah, hopefully the Lakers can figure it out. Austin's ready for the Rangers to uh, start spring training. Um, I'm not buying a spring training cap until they sign the damn papers. They're kind of cool this year. They're like trucker hats, but they're fitted. So it's different. Definitely cheaper than usual because, you know, they're in a lockout. But as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Austin, you got anything else? Um, We will have a guest on for the NL East. Um, we're going to line up more guests, maybe even the same guests for some other ones um, to join us. Um, talking baseball, love doing roundtables on, on other teams because – you never know with baseball. You you really don't. Except I do know that the Rangers probably won't do much this year, and the Baltimore Orioles will probably win fifty six games. So the Giants are playing with house money, baby. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride. That's all I'm gonna do. No expectations. <laughs> you can't be disappointed. No, you can. Trust me. Nah. <laughs> trust me. You can. All righty, Devin. I guess that only leaves word. one word. Yeah. So as always, guys, thank you for tuning in. And peace.